The future of radio. The future of radio. The future of radio. The future of radio. The future of radio is here. Unemploymentradio.com. That was um pretty awesome. That was amazing. I mean, I I want to go to it so badly right now. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of like, how cheap are flights still? Like, I know. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. just to be able to do something like that. I mean, you know, that's like. That would be like a dream come true. Oh, absolutely. To be on stage. Yeah. And he actually complimented when he walked in. He's like, oh, you changed your look. You look He nice. did. He noticed like, your look. But I didn't I didn't change. I didn't think I changed my look. I just well, wearing a black shirt. Well, compared for a while ago. I guess it's been a while. Yes, that's true. That's true. Well, in my old age, I am getting, you know, far more demure. Exactly. <laughs> demure. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Fun Employment Radio. I am Greg Nibbler here with Sarah Stillen. Hello. Thank you so much for tuning in today, wherever and however you listen. It is so fantastic that you do so. Of course, we are live here five days a week on the Fun Employment Radio Network, then available via podcast all over the internet, wherever podcasts can be found. And today is a very special show because we were just joined by our buddy, Mr. Greg Proops. Who was just delightful. I mean, absolutely amazing. I love having Greg in because every time we have him in, we talk about something different. This time, I I think we talked about everything that we have never talked about before. Yeah. That we've never touched on. So, I mean, completely different stuff. He's a fascinating person, and uh, he really is. I'm still on a high from it. I know. I know. It was was really incredible. And actually, there's not much we can say right now. We should just actually go ahead and play the interview. So, here it is. This is Mr. Greg Proops, who's going to be at Helium Comedy Club, I should say that, too, uh, tonight, October 19th, tomorrow, October 20th, and October 21st. So you have five opportunities. Five chances to see Greg Proops. Get your tickets. HeliumComedy.com. Get it. And uh, here he is, right here on Fun Employment Radio, Mr. Greg Proops. Hey, we got Italian food. And you're like, it's a little early for me, but yeah. okay. <laughs> but you do you. <laughs> I'll have some pesto at 6.30 a.m. And then I can't wait to talk to everybody with pesto breath all yeah, day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to do a lot of those, like um, where there's like a bit set up that you don't um, quite know what you're getting into? No, and again, not so much anymore. But yeah. they, there have been millions over the years. Where oh, I bet. They want you to cook, or they want to play a game with you, which is horrible. Oh, that's awkward. All right, Greg, right? Nick's, Nick's the game. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I did a college radio station a couple of weeks ago, uh, and the woman goes, we thought we'd play a game. And I'm like, all right, this is the game we're going to play. Oh, no. <laughs> you want me to improvise on the phone with you in New York on a college radio station? I'm like, this, I, I didn't want to say to her, this isn't going to go very well, and it's a very poor idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. why don't we do this? <laughs> oh man! What do you pitch well, instead? Especially, especially on the phone, because that's the yeah. easiest one. That's yeah. good. Yeah, especially on the phone too, because there's always like a lag. At, like phoners are so right? difficult. I hate yeah. that because the timing is always off. Yeah, and yeah. Then you end up talking over them, and then they come in too early. And, and it's like, like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, wait. Uh, 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 yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Tuesday at eight. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> that's why I make because when we have the both of us and we have a phoner, that's why I'm always like, Greg, will you just do the fucking phoner, please? I can't. Yeah, like, I know. We're both I end up having to do yeah, well, it just makes more sense. Uh-huh. Plus, I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Have we started? Um, yeah. Hello, everyone. Oh, sure Greg Proof sure. starting us here on yes. Fun Appointed Radio. <laughs> <laughs> and now Greg, we started. It's so nice to have you back. <laughs> Thank you, Del. It's so nice to be here. Oh, my gosh. So um, when was the last time that you were in Portland? Gee whiz. I think it's over a year now. Um, I, I was supposed to be here in March, and a gig came up, and so I had to cancel it, and, or postpone it, rather. So they gave me this week, which was completely open when I booked it. And then um, I've just been on the road for three weeks with uh, the Who's wow. Line show. Yeah. We, we've just did the whole East Coast and the Midwest, and... Um, so this is coming at the end of, you know, like, I'm losing my mind here. I got on a plane yesterday at 5, and uh, 
um, flew out and did the show last night and then got up again today. And uh, But it's it's still the funnest life in the world. But yeah. I, but uh, it's high energy. I mean, you have to yeah. kind of like keep going and going and going. You don't really get a break. I, and no way was I going to cancel for the second time on them. You know, yeah. they're like, well, can you move it again? Right. And like have them go, um, why don't you just never come back? <laughs> oh, Does that work never. out for you, Greg? <laughs> Plus, so, I love doing the podcast tour. Yeah, so you did the podcast last night. I did. And people gave me poetry books. Uh, there's a small feminist press and uh, they we plugged that. Uh, of course, I can't remember the name of it because I'm tired. But uh, and um, someone gave me Confederacy of Dunces and uh, uh, all this vodka and stuff. It's just oh, nice. really fun. Yeah, people, wow, books and vodka, those are good. Yeah, gifts. people bring good uh, gifts to the show because of the things we talk about all the time. Mm. Um, you know, people hook onto that, and they I did uh, completely organic. I never said to the audience, you know, the next show would be really <laughs> great if you brought me some weed and some vodka. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but they just started doing it on their own, and um, I get not only do people bring poetry books and novels and stuff, people bring books that they've written and artwork. Oh, that's and really cool. Paintings and yeah, so I got all these really cute. People bring the most creative things. There's a, a vast world of people out there creating, yeah. and um, I love when they bring it to the show. You know, I have paintings and uh, drawings, uh, posters, etchings, all kinds of wow. stuff. It's crazy. So My garage like- is full. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, if you're on the full. road, then you got to carry that stuff with you. What I, People bring me, like, a, it wasn't getaway day yesterday, so I have time to drink all the vodka. But, uh, <laughs> like, I'll do the last night of the run, and that'll be the podcast, and people will give me bottles of vodka, and I'm like, how do you take this on a plane? Yeah. Right. So I give it to the crew of the, the club, which they love. Uh, uh, Nick, who's here with me from Helium, will tell you. Uh, the, <laughs> Nick, that's you. They gave us a, a, <laughs> He's like, what? a box of uh, edibles last time, you know. Oh, oh nice. And I was like, I, I can't eat 30 edibles. So <laughs> everyone at the club got a bag of edibles. And people were like, hey, this is really good, man. We love this yeah. guy. He can Book cancel anything. again. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite one was in uh, Toronto years ago. Now weed's legal in Canada. Just once this week. Right, but, um, yeah. This was there was there was dope bars and you they didn't sell marijuana. They had edibles behind the counter and you got to bring your own marijuana. So every single table had hilariously a tray to cut and clip, mm. scissors, papers, uh, filters, ashtrays. So you do the show and you're sitting there and all you see is fifty cherries coming up. <laughs> all the show's going on, right? You just all you hear is <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't get that high before the show. <laughs> I only smoked a yeah. part of a joint. Yeah. And uh, uh, now the show's gone on for about an hour and a half, and I realized that as the show's worn on, we're in this very small room with 50 people smoking weed, yeah. and I, I'm like, so anyway, <laughs> I was uh, doing this thing the other day, and I realized I've lost the thread entirely. So usually I'm powering through. Right. I get back to the hotel. There's a hot dog stand in front of the hotel, and I say to the guy, I'll have a hot dog, right? I'm starving. <laughs> and he goes, I go, it's kind of late. Aren't you ever worried about being out here? And he goes, Greg, this isn't Mogadishu. It's Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to my room. It's a tech conference on at the hotel. So everybody there is named Chad. And they're all wearing khaki pants and have lanyards. I get in the lift, and I'm in my suit. And I must have smelled like, you know, Tommy. Oh, Tommy. Tommy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been sitting right. in a room for like two yeah. hours. So I, they're all looking at me. I get to my room, and I pick up the phone, and I call my wife, and she doesn't answer. And I go, hi, it's me. I love you. I'm going to go to bed. Next day, I get up. I call my wife, and she's like, why didn't you call me last night? I go, I did. 
She goes, no, you didn't. I go, I called someone. (laughs) (laughs) I called someone and told them that I love them. I love you. It's it's Greg, and I I just want to say I love you. So someone got a call from me a couple years ago telling them that I love them. And And that's like getting them through every day. (laughs) 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 So they gave me all these lovely gifts, a bag of weed, which I gave to the other comic, and uh, a unicorn, because I was on Harmontown, and I did a unicorn character. And a woman, and so nice, lovely Toronto woman, a, a, a jug of maple syrup. And I mean a oh, half the real gallon. Stuff? Like the good stuff. Of the real stuff, right? Like, but, but I'm yeah. leaving <laughs> the next yeah. morning, and I'm like, where do I put it? I go, imagine putting it in your luggage and having it break. Oh, God, <laughs> oh, yeah. God, that'd be a nightmare. Everything you own has to be destroyed. Oh, now. yeah. You can't clean it's maple. It's like bed bugs and maple yeah. syrup. You have to like, burn them. <laughs> How do I clean maple syrup off my suit? Do you take it to the dry cleaner and they're like, I don't know. Take maple syrup off this? this? Yeah. Oh, man. So they were trying to be thoughtful. So I I waited till she was gone. And then I'm like, the people at the club, do you guys want this? And then they took it. No, right. I know, because it, it makes you feel yeah. ungrateful, but at the same time, it's like, all right, well, I can't carry all I can't bring everything. Like, it wasn't even a little, maple you know, yeah. uh, like that I could okay. carry with me on the plane or whatever. Let alone how long it would take even just to eat, like, right. how eat many pancakes <laughs> Yeah, do you have to have? I mean, I love pancakes, but wow. <laughs> I figure you probably have to bring, like, an extra suitcase everywhere you go just so you can, like, take home I do. all I'm, the stuff. I, I do sometimes. I, I actually do bring an extra suitcase. When we play Brooklyn uh, or Chicago, um, I will bring an extra little bag because I know that people. I mean, a guy gave me these photographs of insects that was in this wooden frame that was this big, and it's like you can't just stuff that in right. here. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> so I will bring a small suitcase sometimes because I know I'm going to get stuff, and I'm forbidden to buy books on the road because we have so, we have stacked. My house looks like the Library of Congress. Oh, that's awesome. And like I said last night, I got a bunch of books. Yeah. That's what. So, do people uh, give you like specific things, or are they like, "Hey, you need to read this book. This is my favorite book. I think you'd love it." It's that. It's often this is my favorite book. For instance, last night I got Fahrenheit 451 and oh, nice. Confederacy of Denses. Of course, mm-hmm. I've read them both. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'll give them to people. I should have brought them this morning. I could have given them to you, oh, but yeah. I was too tired when I woke up to remember. <laughs> and I think they're stuffed at the bottom of a bag that I drunkenly kicked over last night. <laughs> I'm not letting them made in my room today. It's like a neutron bomb went off in there. Put the giant "Do Not Disturb" on there. Right. <laughs> you know how when you go to a room, you're like, "I'm going to put everything." in the right place and yeah. right. my toothbrush next to the razor and then you look at the room and you're like oh my god oh god what was your call Close time this everywhere. morning who came in here uh, <laughs> uh, seven it wasn't too bad oh that's not too yeah. bad six, yeah. I mean you look so well rested you, you oh, wear it well kind. oh boy that's fine acting is what that is a very good performer <laughs> well you've been having a lot going on too. <laughs> yes that's exactly it so tell me about this podcast festival oh so it's our second one we did it last year it's the Portland Podcast Festival so we focus a lot on well, the first year we mostly did uh, Portland-based podcasts, uh-huh. but this time we have um, some podcasts coming in from different regional. Places. Yeah, um, two different nights, twenty-two different shows, um, <sighs> like spanning the gamut of anything from like sports, all live, yes, all live. All live. So They're all basically doing like twenty-minute versions of their shows. Oh, I see. So, so it's like a, a sampler and an all, uh, with a live audience. Yes, with a live audience. Mm-hmm. Live so audience. people buy tickets and they get to see all their. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the first night we're having it at this place called the Landmark Saloon, which is a smaller venue, about like 80, 100 people. Mm-hmm. We're having six shows there. Then the following night we're at this place called the Hawthorne Theater with two stages. One big. You might have been there before. I'm not sure. I was going to say uh, probably during Bridgetown. It's pretty big. Yeah, yeah, maybe during Bridgetown. And yeah, so they have a, the main stage and then a side stage in their lounge. And so we're going to have 16 different shows going. Kind of like those, two like different. Staggered. So how many versions. engineers does this require? Uh, we'll have. We have a sound person, and then it's just four. And then it's just basically us and our part. friend Jason, who 
where it was like, yeah, where they're, they're all this tacking on this recording. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because we'll we have a crew of volunteers and like all that stuff. But yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And especially after Bridgetown stopped, you know, happening, yeah. we're like, Portland is like desperately needing some sort of festival. And we, sure. of course, love podcasting and there's so many like creative, yeah. interesting people. So where are you bringing people in from? Uh, it's mostly Portland based, but then we've got like some from Seattle. Um, Eastern Washington. Yeah. Eastern yeah. Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Nathan Brannon. There's nothing Brannon. else to do, right? So, Clive and Bundy podcast? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's that's Actually, that's it's that's Nathan Brannon. Um, oh, yeah. You know Nathan Brannon at no. all? Comedian. Okay. Yeah. He's, I think he's half in LA, half in Walla Walla, Washington. Yeah. Walla Walla, wow. Yeah. Walla Walla. So, that's where the onions are, right? Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a prison and a college. Yes. There we go. <laughs> yep. And We've that's summed it. up Walla Walla. There's yeah. their marketing campaign. Yeah, so it's campaign. been fun, but it's been, you know, like nonstop trying to coordinate, you know, 22 different shows, making up like 100 people and balancing all the yeah. different things going on with that. But it's fun. It I wouldn't is. rather be doing you know, So you guys are producing else. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah, so this is our second year. Yeah. So do you have to put people yeah. up and stuff too? No, uh, not luckily, this time. not this time. But when we try to get people uh, like the smartest man in the world, like Mr. Greg Proops, to fly in for it, then we'll pay for his accommodations for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Next year or a few years that when it gets bigger. That's the fun employment stay at the Motel Seas. <laughs> <laughs> There's a futon in my basement. It's free all Wi-Fi. Set up. Yeah. Free Wi-Fi. <laughs> at a place called Airband. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite lovely. <laughs> Well, yeah, and you just had, um, so congratulations, you just released your new album. Yes, thank yeah. you for mentioning that. I should have gone right to that. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> called The Resistance, and we're doing very well. Uh, yeah, I saw that it hit uh, number one on iTunes. I was going to say, for yeah. a brief shining moment, it was number one on the that first That is really that's cool. So and then I believe uh, John Mulvaney took back over the number one. Jim Gaffigan has like eight albums in the top ten on iTunes. So really? I, uh, who knew? He I seems never, like he's always putting out albums, though. I never looked at the charts until I, my album came out. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but this one's been doing really well. It's all about politics. It's all about Orange 45. It's all about babies in cages. It's all about Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, scooters and the douche catamarans that ride them. And, uh, you know, it's so it's really, really topical. Oh, like the little yeah, scooters? Those. We just got those like three months ago. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah, they're all over Hollywood. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, my gosh. You can't walk down the sidewalk anymore without someone just like no. almost clipping you. And we were just on tour, and there's a bunch of cities around the United States that have them now, too. Oh, so, so it's spreading everywhere. They come by you at 27 miles an hour on the side. That's how fast wow. they can yeah, go? They're, they're dangerously fast. Uh, and um, I think one of the lines on my album is, I will cheer the first scooter fatality so loud you'll, you won't be able to hear how great America is again. <laughs> um, so, has, the, has it not happened yet? Uh, oh, there's probably been there's one. Probably been, it's yeah, it's gonna not, happen. Like, it has. Yeah. You know, they're they're in L A. In L A. Like traffic, people drive in L A. Like savage, right? It's mm. like Ben Hur all the time. Yeah. Like, you're mm-hmm. always being slammed into the curb by Stephen Boyd, and so <laughs> uh, it, it's a really terrible recipe. The combination of people on their phone driving 27 miles an hour in a right. place where no one pays any attention to you at yeah. all. They're simply turning. And they're on the phone when they're turning. So, like, is really dangerous to begin with. Right. Then you add scooters to this. Uh, my wife's always like, I'm just afraid I'm going to kill one by accident. Yep. You know, yeah. they're going to come out from mm-hmm. somewhere or they'll be behind you and you don't see them and that's why. They try I've to been... pass on the right or something I like that. I yeah. go so slow through the neighborhoods now. I mean, I will go under the speed limit oh, because I, I will pause it every, even if there's not a stop sign because I do not want to murder. I was just thinking that when I was driving here today. I'm like, I don't want to kill a scooter person. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, I drive stone slow just to make sure that I don't <laughs> kill anyone. You can't control your car if you're going fast. And the, everyone in L.A. drives 50 miles an hour on city streets oh, and so does terrifying. wild left turns. And you're like, yeah, scooters aren't good in the mix. So I, I made the whole album. And I made uh, my guy, uh, Ryan McMenamin, who I've worked with for years, and Matt Belknap, who own um, 
special thing records, right? Mm-hmm. And they do, oh, they do loads of albums for comics. So Jen Kirkman and Paul Tompkins and everybody. Very and, cool. um, and they produce uh, Jimmy Pardo show. Uh, put, put your hands together with uh, uh, Kevin Esposito mm-hmm. and um, uh, Doug Loves Movies and my show. We're a very small organization. There's only four. It's a boutique. And uh, <laughs> they were so. My wife Jennifer said to me, "You need to do an album right now." And I was like, "Well, I don't have any new material because I've been doing the same material for a hundred years. I mean, I improvised." But yeah. my last album was 2014. Oh yeah, that's a while. Right. Mm-hmm. So she was like, "Why aren't you doing an album?" And I'm like, "Because well, <laughs> I like to get high all day, and you know." <laughs> so I wrote one, and uh, uh, and we did it, and then I pressured Ryan to mix it as fast as possible, which he did. And so the turnaround was really maybe a month and a half, two months from the time he made it. Wow. Which is pretty fast for an album. That's very fast. And then it'll be on vinyl in a few uh, months. And we already picked the color, uh, which is called Swimming Pool. It's a swirling turquoise. uh, Nice. Because it's fun to have the colored vinyl. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. And people really like, I mean, I'm a vinyl person, but... uh, We have a record player in our green room. Exactly. You guys are vinyl (laughs) people. We definitely uh, are. Because you're groovy. But, you know, a lot of people... (laughs) Uh, when you make an album and you put it on a vinyl, you have to put a coupon inside the album for a download. For the download, yeah. So Because they don't, you know, a lot of people don't ever listen to it. They just get it autographed and put it on the wall or something. Yeah. It's a collector's item rather than right. something that you spin. Because I spin records. Oh, yeah, you know. me too. Well, yeah. I'm not allowed to touch with the phonograph at home, but my yeah. wife will spin one for me. <laughs> you if get I to point at it and be like, that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. you play Ohio players? <laughs> no, I'm playing Monk right now. And I'm like, okay, so I'll listen to that. Um <laughs> but so yeah, it was fun, and uh, um, he did a really good job mixing it. And um, I found since I made, I used to make albums in England in the <clears throat> '90s, and they were uh, on cassette. That's how old wow. I am. And uh, they would, I would let them name them, and I would let them do the graphics. And then I realized, why am I doing that? I can exert some measure of control yeah. over this. It's my record. Uh, so now I name the tracks, and I pick out the artwork. And my wife took the picture for the front and the back, and. Um, so That's a great cover. I'm looking at it right now. We keep a family affair. If you look up um, uh, Thelonious Monk, he did an album called Alone in San Francisco. So if you look up that album, you'll see how I've completely ripped it off. Uh, <laughs> the last album I did uh, before in the ballpark, in the ballpark we just used graphics that a good friend of ours named Jeff, uh, Marcus John, did. Uh, and with an oblique picture Jennifer took. But then we, I said this one, no, we need... Oh, yeah, that is similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, we, uh, my problem was when we took the picture, I got on the wrong side of the... Uh, the cable car he's riding is uh, an angle, and we took one. Uh, so you were actually on the cable car for oh, the yeah, picture. Oh yeah, no, that's awesome. They at the end of California Street in San Francisco is where they park them. Uh, oh really? And so okay. I just got on one randomly <laughs> and stood there like an idiot. Monk, as you see, is waving in his album cover. Oh yeah. He's wearing a top coat and he's waving, which is so that album that's was awesome. sitting in front of our phonograph at home. And I said, well, we're going to make the album in San Francisco. And Jennifer pointed at it and went, there's your cover. And I was like, yes. You have to. That's awesome. I love it when things like that come together. Especially. So if you look at my old album, um, Proops Digs In, I stole a cover of a Sonny Rollins right album um, and uh, used the graphics from that. So it looks like a, a Blue Note album, both of them elsewhere. Oh, yeah. And Proops Digs In, I stole from jazz, oh. jazz album covers. Because um, if you if you remember all the Blue Note albums, from, jazz albums from yeah, the 50s, of course. they always did... Um, a green wash, a blue mm-hmm. wash, yep. a red wash. And That's uh, an awesome cover. I love that cover. And yeah. I think that one says, recorded live at the Improvisation in Hollywood. Oh, 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 oh. And I always make him say that. And in stereo, which I love. <laughs> that is I so want to cool. put hi-fi on it really bad. I know, seriously. Because I like the audio. Uh, so I've tried to do have some style on the last few album covers. Uh, I mean, it must be exciting to be on a record. 
I love it. I mean, yeah. I grew up listening to comedy records. Mm-hmm. I grew up listening to records. Um, I don't want to tell you what the first comedy album was because it was my parents. It was Bill Cosby's. It's very funny. Right. Yeah, but I mean, that's for a lot of people. I mean, I I learned. Nobody knew what was going to happen. No, I learned all of his routines. And uh, and then they had um, Alan Sherman, uh, who was a, a. who did song parodies in the 60s. And he was a big, fat Jewish guy with horn room glasses. He was also a TV producer, but he did it as a sideline. And he would take. Like uh, folk songs, popular songs, and make them Jewish, which was the whole joke. <laughs> and so it would be, uh, uh, you know, there's one of Havan, uh, uh, Nagila. Hava Nagila, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, it's Harvey and Sheila Harvey, <laughs> right? It's this couple that meets in an elevator, and then it's really stealing. <laughs> so the first album's called My Son the Folk Singer, and he's standing on a plinth. With a with an acoustic guitar and no shoes on, and there's a seltzer bottle in front. Then the next one, because he had a hit with it, uh-huh. uh, he did the uh, uh, the song Camp Granada. I don't know if you've yes. ever heard. Yes. Oh that. yeah. Mada, mm-hmm. Hello Fada, which is a classical I piece. Yeah. In Camp Granada, uh, the second album is called My Son. The- Alan Sherman's mother presents my son the big deal celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's got his maid, and his, but, his butler, his kids, and they're all wearing like polo gear. Oh my God. It's so funny. Like, I just love that he did that. And then there's a comic named Tom Lair who also did musical comedy, but he wrote his own original songs. And they made a John musical out of it years ago called Tom Foolery. He's still alive. <clears throat> he lives yeah. in Santa Cruz, and he taught mathematics, and he went to Harvard. And um, his album covers were an evening wasted with Tom Lair, and then on the back, <laughs> nothing but bad reviews. And that made me, <laughs> when I was a kid, great. would cry laughing, because oh, he would just say, more desperate than amusing. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, I love the embracing of that. I can't uh-huh. think of anything no, you funnier have to. than That's that. great. Instead, because, you know, uh, so all when I toured in England for years in the 90s, I always put on my posters the bad reviews. Go home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Greg just loves himself to pieces. Uh, uh, and then I would put a little star with a thing around it, uh, you know, like a, a blob, a lozenge yeah, on the poster. Yeah. Some new jokes. <laughs> because everyone always put on their posters in England, all new, new shows. shows. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't have an all new yeah. show. Yeah. I have some new show. Uh, this is a new and show. I remember seeing a comedian who shall remain na- nameless, Donna McPhail. And she was very funny. She was a lovely comic. And her poster was a big picture of her face. And over at one of the reviews, magic. And I was like, look, comedy is a lot of things. <laughs> magic is not one of the things it is. Magic is magic. And even then, I don't like magic. So I got a Nick laugh in there. I just heard that. I stopped. Right. I hate magic. I, uh, I, I stopped putting uh, positive reviews on the posters. And my, even my agent at the time was like, you're just going to make people angry. I'm like, you're missing the joke. Yeah. Yeah. You I would know? find that hilarious. I think it right? is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really funny. So I haven't <laughs> done it on the album, this one. Instead, it's a very sincere diatribe about uh, Orange 45 and all that jazz. Well, it seems like, yeah, there's a time and a place for yeah. that kind of humor. And this, yeah. Right. I mean, this We're is in important. dire straits now, so yeah, I, I know. to make a political album and, uh, and then do a jazz cover and uh, <laughs> try to hide the satire. How long did it take you <laughs> to write it? Oh, not that long. I, I, I so you just had, had it in there. You just needed yeah. to get it out. There was pieces of jokes that were working that weren't on other albums uh, that I was able to pull a couple of jokes away. From. Like I, I have a bit about, I go, I'll get you gun control tomorrow morning. <laughs> I want every woman in this room, and I want every person of color within the sound of my voice, tomorrow morning when the gun shop opens, going at 10 a.m., and bring your gold card with you. And you walk in, ding, ding, and the guy goes, what can I get for you? I want... Three AR-15s and 15,000 rounds of ammunition. And when the guy goes, why? I go, 
I'm just not feeling it, man. <laughs> There'll be a surprise session of Congress at 10.05. Mitch McConnell will come out of the cave that he lives uh, in, like an Albano cave salamander. He'll be like, Admiral Ackbar. It's a, a trap. perfect description, by the way. It's yeah. a trap. Black people and women want guns. And I said, and I want the women to stand in front of abortion clinics with their guns, like, come try me. Oh you know, so that was part of a yeah. larger gun control joke that I was doing. <laughs> so I was able to rip that out and put that in. And then I done did this. Um, I did a festival in Halifax, Nova Scotia, in April, and they required two sets for the gala, two little eight-minute sets. So I wrote some stuff for those too. One joke that I don't think is on the album that I did there was. Um, we shot in a high school in Halifax because they don't have a TV station, you know, or they do, but not big <laughs> enough to do the gala. Yeah. yeah. And it was um, uh, uh, Jeremy Hotz. I don't know if you know him. And Hotz, he lives in L.A. And a bunch mm. of Canadian comics. Okay. okay. All of whom were very well groomed, I have to say. Other than Hotzi, who wears jeans and a, a t-shirt on stage, a bunch of the Canadian guys with suits and really sharp shoes. Oh, and, yeah, I was classy. like, look wow. at this coming back, right? <laughs> yeah. The dressing up thing, like you're actually performing for money in front of paying customers <laughs> instead of you're in your pajamas grabbing your crotch on the couch. Uh, it has gotten a little sloppy. Yeah. Oh, the I, pajamas yeah. in public is not something. Boom. Oh, God. We've John Rickle before. said before he died, um, they said, people don't dress up for shows anymore. He goes, no, they come in their underwear. Ugh. And Fran Leibowitz, who uh, I just <laughs> saw a couple weeks ago, who's so funny, they asked her about what she thinks about the way men dress now, and she goes, they dress like they're going to summer camp. <laughs> that is the <laughs> best description. Right? That Shorts, is exactly it. Yeah. Tennis shoes, a backward baseball hat, a knapsack. Oh, see, like I, you're a grown man, 45 years old. They're yeah, dressed like they're at summer dress camp. like it. I love uh, getting dressed. I always get dressed for a flight. I never like you Me know too. people are there with like yeah with their right. pajamas oh, and stuff. Put, put their I wear a dress every seat. time. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. I wow. like it. I feel like it's it's an yeah. experience. I'm like I like to like go have a drink before I, was I get say, on. Well, exactly, uh-huh. exactly. And oh, I always wear a coat. I I don't. You will never see me not. Uh, you know, you'll never see me in a wife beater and cutoffs because yeah. I just can't do it. Maybe at home if I'm really relaxing. Yeah, even then, not so much. It. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can't even picture. No, my wife is a. My wife won't leave the house without looking pulled together mm-hmm. like she looks like a movie star all the time and so it's been bled into me the whole I'm not going to wash my hair I'm going to put on a baseball cap thing does not happen anymore yeah. yeah, I get up in the morning even if it's at 5 in the morning and I shave and <laughs> put on a tie and you know right. well, you, have to, you have to match that I mean if she's looking that good all the time oh no I mean, her hair is done did people people think she's an executive because she'll walk into a room and they'll be like oh uh, did you need a thing <laughs> oh, and it's because she's so pulled together yeah. with the bag and the hair and everything Thing and like I've never seen her go in public and flip flops or a you know unless we're in on an island yeah right. yeah. <laughs> yeah if we're in Hawaii if you're on an island then that's, right. that's one matter but uh, yeah uh, well years ago I was getting ready to do a set and I was smoking pot and watching TV and I didn't really want to do the set and the set wasn't very far from the house so it was like just laziness on my part mm. like all men and uh, <laughs> uh, I go I don't feel like shaving. And we were watching um, this Frank Sinatra special from the 60s. And there he is with a a tuxedo and the cigarette. Mm -hmm. And he drives up in a sports car. The opening shot, he drives up in an open-top sports car. And he gets out, and he's got, like, an orange sweater and a tie and a hat on, right? And she goes, really? You're not going to (laughs) shave? She goes, I wonder what Frank would do if he had a gig. And I'm like... 
fuck you. Oh, so God. I, I took a shower. I put on a tie. I said, first of all, he would smell fantastic. Yeah. He would be wearing right. like, English leather. Some kind of, yeah, some kind of musk so Irish tweed. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and my other idol is Cary Grant. Um, and uh, I read a book about him, a biography, and it said he was never sloppy. Mm. Like, if you saw Cary Grant and he was hanging around, it was turned up pants with loafers and a sweater. And, oh. like, and you know right. how gorgeous he is. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And there's that picture of him from the 40s where he's swinging out of a hotel room door and he's got a long top coat on and his hat in his hand and a suit and tie and you think oh god you smell so good I know. <laughs> to crawl all over you and I, I, I say it to fellas yeah. right. guys ask me sometimes what should I do and I'm like look good and smell good it doesn't matter if you're fat or you're ugly or anything yeah. you can't help that that is <laughs> right. a thousand percent accurate I mean that is it just take care of yourself just it doesn't matter what size you are just, no Put yeah. on a clean coat, yourself. Smelled fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the nicest thing a person said to me, I was in Toronto a couple weeks ago, and I was talking to people before the podcast, as I do. Uh, if you come see my podcast, you will get to talk to me because that's, I talk to everybody before the show. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to do a stand-up show because then there's no magic. Yeah. yeah. There has to be that David you're the reveal. separation. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. But at a podcast, it's different. It's more intimate, and everybody's there for the same reason. And I was wearing a suit, and I, I just, the hotel was across the street, for goodness sakes. It wasn't like I had to travel. And I'd spritzed myself with cologne. And uh, May I ask what, uh, yeah. what yes, your brand you is? Yes, of course you may. I wear, thank you for asking. Yes. Uh, Hermes L'Orange Vert. Um, L-O-R-A-N-G-E, V-E-R-T-E. Uh, it smells like citrus. Oh. So really? you can really put too much on. And I can never... hear everybody taking notes, right? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't kill you, you know, like when a guy's wear brood or canoe or axe or whatever. It's like they're drowning the in sexual it. assault. Yeah. And you, you know, like, <laughs> you, if it had a scent, that would be it. When yeah. you get in an elevator yeah. or you're walking down a hall and a dude walks by and your eyes start to water and you're like, you, whatever you're wearing, you're doing too much. Of it. Yeah. yeah. You're doing it wrong. How did you find this one? Trial and error. I yeah. wore Bulgari and uh, what was the other one? Um, uh, egg. There was one by Chanel called Egoist. And, Ego? Uh, Egoist. Egoist. E- Egoist. Yeah. Ego- oh, okay. In French. Oh, Egoist, gotcha. it said. Egoist. Egoist. Um, and uh, uh, I, they were all too strong. And then, um, or, or like you'll wear one and it smells like a, a swimming pool in Greece in the <laughs> 70s or something. And you're like, so this one is really I strangely picture so that even yeah. I can spritz myself with it to death. And then before the show, after the show, again and again, because it doesn't. You know, stay. Forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like Carrie's favorite one was Green Irish Tweed, and I, if you see it at the store, it's in a it's beautiful bottle mm. with the gold thing and everything. Carrie Grant. Yeah, mm. it's so goddamn strong. You're like, that's 40s. Oh cool. yeah, right. Like, yeah, you put it on, and that's yeah. the day. So everything stunk. Like Bay back Rum. Then. <laughs> like you, right. you know, right. a lot of people talk about their dad smelling like Bay Rum in the yeah. 60s. Uh-huh. So uh, <laughs> I was hugging this woman before the show, and she went. You look and smell fantastic. <laughs> and I was like, that's exactly what I want to hear. And that's what I'm going for. Yeah. <laughs> to have a woman say that to you is like, instead of, oh, that baseball cap, did you yeah. turn that around yourself? <laughs> I mean, I think that was the first thing I said to you. I was like, you look so dapper. Yeah, thank you. Yes, of course. You well, it, 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 people really appreciate it and they like it. Although I've had one friend say to me, you know what, Greg, when you dress up like that, you're telling the audience you think you're better than them. And then Jimmy Pardo, who always dresses up on oh. stage, said, I dress up on stage because I want them to know that I am better than that. <laughs> <laughs> So let me tell you, do you do a costume change? Like, is this uh, is this your committed outfit for tonight? I might change the shirt for because we have to do afternoon telly. Yeah, I'll probably wear this tonight. So mm. if, you, you, if you saw me on TV this morning, yes, I'm wearing the same outfit for 15 hours. I will take it off and steam it at some point today. Look, I was just on the road with the boys. You do a midday steam? I can do. Huh. I have. Like, I got in yesterday, and I'd been flying all day, and my clothes were a mess. So I ironed all my shirts. I steamed all my clothes. 
Yeah, I'm a big sissy, okay? Me and Greg Barron. <laughs> take it out on him. Greg Barron, when you see him. Oh, Barron's always. Creases, yeah. Like yeah. For you and for hair. Greg. Greg and Greg. Yeah. I know right. every time I'm like, all right, got to make sure. I have, look like I have my shit together because yeah. you no, are, are too fashionable. Yeah. Greg does not show up in a, with a ball cap on. Oh my no. gosh! No. And he'll have the hair, the, the spectacles. Hair. Yeah, the hair is perfectly. He spent an hour on the hair. Oh yeah, know. like perfectly cuffed jeans. And oh like, yeah, oh, no, yeah. Right. everything, and everything. Creases. He's a laundry queen. I mean, he admits it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I feel the same way. But on the on the road with the boys. Um, is it raining out? No, no it's, it's construction. Oh, it's I see. The never-ending yeah. fucking construction yeah, in no, Portland. It, it's it, so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. This town's entirely under construction. Yeah. Um, Jeff Davis and the group always wear suits, and Joel Murray wears um, hilarious suits because he's Bill Murray's youngest brother, and he's very funny in his own right. He's on Mad Men and Dharma Creek. He's been on a thousand things. Oh, okay, God cool. Bless America, that Bob Goldthwait movie, he plays the killer, and mm-hmm. he's a wonderful actor and a very funny comedian. But... With him, it's like, he can't just wear a suit. Like, Jeff and I will wear a blue suit, a gray suit, a black suit with a tie and shiny shoes. Mm. Joel wears a plaid suit or a suit that's all (laughs) flowers or that it's all lollipops or something. And we never get a compliment, but everyone always comes up to Joel and goes, I love your suit. And it's, it's kind of like what... Uh, normal, regular, lazy guys would wear if their idea of a suit. Yeah. Right. So he comes on stage and he's got a suit that's all fruit. I mean, it's like bright yellow, red, bananas, or flowers. He's got one that's all flowers. And I'm like, will you water that thing? You know, like, hey, turn your suit down. I'm trying to talk up here, you know. But people really love that. And then we had Dave Foley with us on the last week. And, oh, nice. And Dave wears a suit, too, so... You know, there's a lot of sissification. What can I tell you? We get to the room. The first thing I do is steam out the suit, iron the shirt. You know what? People are coming to your show to hear what you have to say, and they also want to see you, and they want to see the real you. I mean, the other day we were in Indianapolis, and I found a shoeshine stand and went to it with my shoes and had them done because they were looking scruffy. I get to the show, and Jeff Davis, before I've even got into the car, goes, you had your shoeshine. Mine looked terrible. (laughs) That's how big of sissies we are in the room. Oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you want to, you know. Yeah. But like I said, to get a compliment from a woman that you look and smell good is pretty much better than anything else. Yeah. You're not going to. Yeah. So you're doing your, but you're doing, so the podcast was just last night. Never you're doing mind the stand-up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So it's stand-up tonight, 7.30. Stand-up tonight. Yeah. Uh, oh, 7.30, is it? I've it's got to sleep 7.30 and 10? Yeah, 7.30 and 10, and then tomorrow, I think it's. 7.30 and 10. I was going to say, they don't do the they don't do the 8 and 10 thing here. They do the 7.30 and 10. 7.30 and 10. 7.30 and 10. Yeah, and sorry, I'm getting the thumbs Sunday up. Sunday 7 or Sunday 7.30? 7.30. Oh, you're doing a Sunday show? Awesome. Yeah. Oh, and that's a Sunday at 7.30. I but I am, yeah. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> well, the people just can't get enough of you. Evidently. <laughs> oh, and then you have um, the Nightmare Before Christmas. Next week, I'm so that's excited so about cool. it. That's so cool. It's the funnest thing I ever, ever do. I as I get to do a lot of good gigs, but this is the. About four years ago, um, they contacted me, and they were going to Japan. We were staying in a hotel in San Francisco, and uh, my voice agent said, um, will you um, sing the songs from Nightmare Before Christmas? And I went, sing them. I'm in the fucking movie. Yeah, right. (laughs) So I guess they wanted to hear if I could still do it. So I went in. I go, Jennifer, this is going to be the worst hour of your life. I go, do something, because I'm going in the bathroom of the hotel. And I sat in the bathroom with my phone. And saying and all the songs. Yeah, into the phone, right? So, you know, boys and girls of every, like, and just loud, just loud. Oh, and my God. So they went to Japan. They didn't take me. Then the next year, they did the Hollywood Bowl, and they asked me to do it. So I did done it. And then we've done it three times, at the, two times at the Bowl, and then we did it at the Barclay Center. We did it at the Bowl on Halloween, and then the Barclay Center Christmas last year, oh, wow. which was really fun. The Barclay Center's in Brooklyn, and it's a big hockey arena. That's where the right. team plays. And, you know, yeah. it's a fancy... Fancy concert Nets, and yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. The Nets play. Yeah. 
And um, then the, this year we're back at the Hollywood Bowl. So it's a full orchestra, the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra. Um, John Macheri is the conductor. He was a protege of Bernstein. Danny can sing all the songs in the same keys in tremendous fucking shape. And He's talking Catherine about Danny, Danny Elfman. Yeah. yeah, and um, he wrote all the songs. They're so brilliant. I remember when I, we recorded it, and this was 19, it's 25 years, 1993. Wow. It's 25 years old? Yeah, it's old. the 25th oh anniversary. Oh, my gosh, It's the 25th anniversary, and it wasn't a hit. It didn't really kill. It wasn't a box office smash. No one mm -hmm. cared, and it kind of went away. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of hung around, and then people started watching it on video and whatnot. And now when you go, it's families. They brought their kids, and they're yeah. in their 30s or they're in their 40s or however old they are. And in L.A., all the Mexigoths come. So there's a whole contingent of that. And then all the hipsters come because it's a hipster movie. Oh, uh -huh. yeah. It's the original goth hipster movie. But nobody was ready for it in yep. 1993. Disney hadn't made a movie that had people without heads and dead babies in it. <laughs> yeah, right. That sang songs. <laughs> yeah. They really hadn't done anything that macabre <laughs> up till then. They'd done a few Halloween things, but nothing too, yeah. you know. I mean, that was really cutting edge at that point. It was punky. You yeah, know, like it, totally. It's got that Tim Burton look and feel. It looks like a foreign film. There's a lot of morbidity and grotesquerie in the design. It's beautiful. And Henry, who was our director, Henry Selleck, uh, is a genius of stop motion. And I said to him once uh, while we were shooting it, because uh, I only was in the recording. Yeah. I didn't have to do the models. The model shop was in San Francisco, and I had friends who worked there. It was a, a giant studio, and they would take like one of your dolls here, like mm -hmm. your fun employment dolls. And this is how you make a stop motion movie. And then we shoot that. Yep. And then cut. Right. And then we move it another centimeter and then cut. Dang. And so, you've got to move all of those things, too. At the it takes forever. And Henry goes, Greg, we're doing it the old-fashioned way, bit by bit. So everything that looks so flowing and lovely in the movie took a zillion years. The, sh the movie took two years to shoot. That is I was going to say, those things, like when they're done that, that well. The Red Nose Reindeer. And they, oh. you know, if, if someone goes like this and moves their finger, yeah. that's yep. five shots. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. it's this shot. It's like uh, Leica here in town too, because they they did what Coraline, I think. Coraline, yeah, yeah. Which is a beautifully done. That yeah, but it's the same thing. It's and a stop corpse motion. Bride, is that also mm -hmm. the corpse bride? I think yep. that's also. Is I that think also it's Leica. Leica? Okay. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, but I, it's just always boggles my mind just how and the they are even able to do that in two years. Yeah, you it's know, an let alone well, and it's the a, patience to do that. It's a real yeah, like the passion that you have to have for that project. You'd to be able spend to all do day just years. having somebody it's walk so across the room. Oh. And then he made James and the Giant Peach, which has elements of stop motion yeah. in it. And then he made Monkey Bone, which also isn't, isn't a very good movie, but also had elements of stop motion in it. And yeah. David Foley, who I was just on the road with, was in Monkey Bone with Henry, and he's quite a good director. Um, he looks the part, and uh, uh, he would go, uh, the fun part was we would record, and um, Danny was in charge of all the music because he wrote the score, and Danny sang all the songs, and so we worked with him quite a lot because we were the singers, and I'm not a singer. Me and Debbie Durst, who's with the uh, wife of Will Durst, and they're both comedians, they're mm. a comedy couple, and two of my dearest friends from San Francisco. Uh, Durst would hate to, if I said this, but he was kind of my mentor. Unwitting, he didn't know. Uh, he taught me lots of things when I was a young comedian, like once I said to him, we were at a crappy gig on a Tuesday, and I said, what are you doing here, man? What are they paying you, like 200 bucks? And he goes, Greg, I'm working. There's always something to be learned at every gig. <laughs> wow. wow. And I was like, 
I didn't know. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought it was about money. And, <laughs> I'm gonna put it and then I said, I'm not doing this joke anymore. I've, I got rid of it. And he went, never get rid of your material. Keep all of it. You'll be able to redo those jokes, rewrite them, restructure them, recycle them, and use them again. Especially if they're topical jokes. Yeah, Someone will be this them. stupid, and yeah. you'll be able to use be able that to joke. Pl- yeah, plug in somebody else. So in the same. all those things he said to me without teaching me. You know, I learned from him. So his wife Debbie and I are just goofs, and all we do is make funny voices together. So we would be unleashed <laughs> in the studio, and we'd be sitting watching recording, and we would go. Um, we welcome you to Munchkin then. That frenetic part at the end of the Munchkin yeah. sequence before the witch comes. Oh, and they yeah. go, la 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 la. Like it's just, <laughs> so we were doing this constantly and driving everyone quite mad. And uh, they would go, so can you come in and um, they go to me. Henry says, um, um, do the devil. Come back tomorrow and, and be the devil. And I'm like, what do I do? So I went home and I'm like, they want me to do the devil. And uh, Jennifer's like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, uh, I don't know if you remember the original Jungle Book cartoon. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shere yes. Khan the Tiger. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, is uh, a British actor named George Saunders. Uh, and George Saunders speaks like this. George Saunders always like, uh, Oh, wow. That was really good. You were an awesome. unforgettable George Saunders. Saunders. You must play it again soon. <laughs> and so I said, um, I'm going to come in and do Bad George Saunders. And so I said to him, uh, Henry, I'm doing Bad George Saunders. And I went, um, what was the line? Um, uh, it has a pox. How delightful a pox. <laughs> because wow. rather than do the... Uh, like, you know, the devil that's the devil. I said, no, he's Urbane. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they gave me the sax player, and I said, please let me do Lawrence Welk. Now, Lawrence Welk was a band leader that no one remembered. Oh, you guys remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But listeners might strain. He was a band leader in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. His show went on into this, gosh. It went on for quite a while. In the 80s, it yeah. was on like PBS. Yeah. At the I end. think so. It was for old people. It was a big band music for people who hate jazz, kind mm. of. Like, it was real, <laughs> like, watered down, <laughs> you know, jazz. Something yes. palatable for yeah, other totally. people, yeah. And Lawrence Welk spoke with this terrible pretend Norwegian accent, right? He'd go, wonderful, wonderful. And now, the beautiful Norma Zimmer, the champagne lady, is going to come out and sing a song. And that's how he talked. He was from North Dakota. That's amazing. Yeah. Adopted this weird, which he did for a hundred years. Yeah. yeah, he really go, and he would say, "A wonderful, a wonderful, now a lovely song." Now Bobby and Sissy are going to do a dance number for you. So I said to Henry, "Let me do Lawrence Welk," and he was like, "What? Let me hear it." And I go, "So the line is." Jack Skellington drops a coin and the the trio is playing and he drops a coin in the bucket and the nine is nice work bone daddy right so I go nice work bone daddy like that and he goes no no he goes I love it we're not doing it so on that line if you watch the movie I go nice work bone daddy I do a hipster voice oh right? my yeah. god the jazz voice because that's the uh, so that's then later in the movie which I had forgotten until I started doing this live show again. There's a scene where Jack's been hiding away and he's all sulky, as he is through most of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's just a complete mess. And he, uh, he's sulking in his hideaway up at the top. And the mayor comes up in his car and the musicians are standing out in front because the musicians are sort of everywhere. Oh, yeah. They're found in the movie. So when right. Sally sings her song, mm-hmm. they play it. And there's a very Kurt Viley feel to her song. Uh, so anyways... Uh, the mayor goes, is Jack up there? And, I, and I'm and i the sax player, and I had forgotten that I'd done this until four years ago when we did it live and we were watching the movie. He's been up there all night. <laughs> so he, he let me do it. <laughs> he let me do it for that line. He's been up there all night. 
And, of course, he has no chin. The sarcoyer is this horrible-looking, <laughs> just a tuft of hair and eyes. And Debbie's the dead baby. And so when the, the when the plot to steal Christmas fails, she's the dead big fat baby with the soda. Oh, uh-huh. And she goes, there goes Christmas, which we've been saying to each other for a thousand years. Uh, so she, uh, we do it live, and it's been So that's it, so you fun. play the movie, and then like you all do the voices? Yeah, they show it live to film. Or John Mosheri comes out, and he was Bernstein's protege, and he's, he's very August with white hair and a tuxedo, right? With the little shirt tie, not the bow tie, but the one that goes like that, that oh, yeah, folds yeah. under the yeah. mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nightmare Before Christmas, played live to film. Like that. And then... So we're rehearsing the Halloween song of several years ago. And it's my favorite song in the picture. I get to sing it, but it's the opening number, right? Mm. Where they show the graveyard and the the, 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 uh, uh, the scarecrow comes flying toward the camera. Mm. Uh And leaves go by and then the pumpkins land on the railings and everything. It's just... That is my favorite song. Sensational number, right? And when I auditioned, I came in and I said to Danny, they gave us a cassette. This was a long time ago. They gave us a cassette. I went home and I learned it on my cassette deck. And I learned it. I did a different voice for every line in the song, right? Because we didn't know what the monsters were. There was no guidance. Just be a monster. (laughs) So rather than sing it in one voice, I sang it in a bunch of voices. And I said, "Um, your music reminds me of Harold Arlen, right? Because Harold Arlen wrote the greatest children's musical of all time, The Wizard of Oz, Mm -hmm. which has the unbelievable... Ding dong, the witch is dead. There's right. never been a better children's song. Yep. He, witch, she, witch, yeah, the, the wicked witch. witch yeah. yeah, she's gone where the goblins go. Mm. Below, 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 <laughs> below. Yo ho. <laughs> so open up and sing and ring the bells out. And he was like, thank you. And I was like, I said, at the risk of being sycophantic and obsequious, I would like to start with a compliment. That was how my audition went. <laughs> so I guess he enjoyed the sycophancy. <laughs> so this is Halloween. We're rehearsing it. And we, we're going too fast. And we pick the pace up. And John Macherry goes to us at rehearsal. You got to remember something. This song's not an up-tempo song. You guys are rushing the beat here. Mm. He goes, it's a Jewish song. He goes, huh. listen to it. It goes, and it never speeds up at any point. It just feels like it does because there's so much cacophony and screaming and yelling and monsters in it. Oh, and my it, God. So he went, and he did it for his Yiddish style. And then we all went, oh, right. <laughs> now I get it. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's so great. It was amazing. Well, I'll never be able to hear it the same way. I know, right? yeah. exactly. There's a bit of klezmer to it. And also the weird... Uh, the, the high-pitched saxophone that he uses is kind of klezmer in a couple numbers. Uh, I don't believe what's happening. But there's a... Mm-hmm. And then I was uh, boring everyone last night at the podcast. When we sing This is Halloween, and if you watch it after, when we get to the downbeat on it, this is Halloween, bells go off. And with the live orchestra, the bells are so loud on stage. And it, it's my favorite part. Your chest rings, and it goes... Bong, dong, 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 bong, dong, 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 like that. And um, so being with a live orchestra, I'm ecstatic. I'm almost crying sometimes. I'm so elated. We're in front of the violins. So I got first violin behind me and all of the strings are here with the way they've situated us. The horns are there and the woodwinds are in the back and then the percussion at the very back and two two harpists. And um, <laughs> so they can go. So I've come to appreciate the score, and each song I've identified as a different. One's like Harold Arlen, one's like Klezmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the opening song is kind of a Jewish thingy. Uh, 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 
there's elements of uh, Sigmund Romberg. There's elements of Stravinsky. When, uh, the more I've heard it, because now I've heard it a million times, yeah. and I have to sit through all the orchestra, which I do. And the other singers talk before the show. They're professional singers. They all work in commercials and movies. Yeah, and, and that's they what can sight read, right? You give them a sheet of music, and one time through, and they're like, okay. And they just yeah. go ready they to can, record. They can nail wow. it just you like that. You might as well hand me a Greek dictionary, right? Because I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I can't read music. I can't sing on key. I'm loud. All right, this is getting hilariously, like, just the background noise. Disturbingly like loud. The construction, Whoa. yeah. It sounds like something's roaring outside of the window. Really, yeah. guys? It's shockingly loud, and I have headphones on. Uh, yeah, and this is <laughs> relatively soundproofing. So they never lose their temper. Uh, well, was anyway, two things, because uh, mm. I know I'm long-winded. The singers are talking backstage. We're on the Hollywood Bowl, so we're on the wings of the Hollywood Bowl, which oh, has wow. perfect acoustics, right? Yeah. Just beautiful. It's cold, by the way. Uh, October in LA at night, the temperature. Pretty cold? Well, it's 80 in the day and then it's 50 at night, so you need a coat. Like, people come to the Hollywood Bowl and they're like, hey, and you're like, ah, you know. <laughs> it's yeah, you're freezing and you're, and the concrete, the place is made of concrete. Mm-hmm. So they're talking, and I go out now. I stand around the side and I watch the overture, I watch the intro, I watch every moment of the show. I don't wow. miss anything in the show. I listen to every moment because I'm uh, so ecstatic like a five-year-old. Jennifer's like, I've never seen you like this. I'm like, I'm literally like a child. Mm-hmm. And then when we take the curtain call at the end, I'm crying laughing. I'm, you can see me in curtain calls going, <laughs> ah, like it's hysterical. <laughs> and, um, well, it's such an emotional experience. Oh, emotional. You're like, I don't know what to do. And what a <laughs> yeah. unique, unique thing. I mean, just I'm to have that. never going to be in an opera. Yeah. And wow. I'm never but be... you get to have this amazing well, it's, experience. And, and something that 25 years ago still resonates so much that people, you know... We're doing a Even you are still emotional about it. Yeah. You know, I think that's really incredible. People come with their kids. People... So they're like probably dressed up, I'm sure. Lots of... Oh, I bet LA is, has so many professional wardrobe people that when the people come for the costume contest, it's not like they put some white face on and put a straw yeah. hat on and I'm a hobo or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Famous one. Or like men do... The cowboy. Oh, yeah. Or oh, the cowboy. Girls will do like Pocahontas or whatever. <laughs> or some horrible degrading. Oh, God. People come in LA and their makeup is superb. Like mm. movie level special effects. There's so many Sally's. Uh, with the with the sewn up heads, oh uh-huh. yeah, so many oogie boogies, like full on oogie boogies. Like a guy will be in a costume that's made of canvas. That's yeah, that sewed must be together. sweltering. <laughs> um, two years, three years ago, the winning costume was the dead reindeer that pulled the sleigh. They came as a group and they dressed as the reindeer and they used they were black, so the bones were what you could see when they were walking. Wow. Around. wow. And then when it got dark, nice. it was even better because all you could see were their reindeer heads and their and people. That's were just like, cool. This is sensational. You know, there's a lot of characters from Tim Burton movies, um, a lot of Beetlejuices, mm-hmm. a lot of the um, a lot of Lydia's, the Alec Baum, yeah, a lot yeah, of the, yeah, the head characters. So I get to conduct the costume contest in the beginning too. So I'm there for the whole bloody thing. So two years ago, this little kid is dressed as Beetlejuice, and he was adorable. I think his name was Jacques. He couldn't have been more than five. So he's running around on the stage. Finally, I grabbed him by the collar and put him over here because I don't want anyone falling off the bloody Hollywood right. stage yeah. into the pit, right? So, Because, you know, that's a 20-foot drop, and oh, there's God. pumpkins everywhere, and he's five, and he's probably had 5,000 <laughs> Snickers bars at this yeah. minute because they just give you bags of candy. When you come in, there's, like, stands where you can go with a bag, and they just fill your bag with candy. Wow. So it's an orgy. Of cartoons and candy, children, and, which is fantastic atmosphere. It's not drinky, it's candy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> this gets kids running around. I'm like, Jacques, you come over here, right? And you stand next to me, and I'm talking to everybody in their costumes. And um, he goes, Hey. And I go, What? And he goes, Have I won yet? 
And I go, what are you, Trump? We have to vote. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a good costume. Uh, uh, Bridget Fonda's Danny's wife, and uh, she did all of our costumes. So uh, the mayor wears this burgundy, uh, 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 you know, he has a spider tie. Oh, yeah. And then um, Flatch, who's one of our singers, he has this red velvet affair that he wears. And the two girls, um, Berica and Angie, have these marvelous gowns that are like a sea serpenty with lots of glitter and whatnot. And I'm in a suit with a bow tie and a fez <laughs> and my sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like Leon Redbone. I was going to say that. And I love it. You know, so someone asked me today, do you dress up for Halloween? I go, never. But in this, yes, because I already have a costume that I wear. And um, so, yeah. It was, um, and so that's happening next I can weekend, talk, right? I'll talk about it until the end of I time. I mean, that's... Uh, it's just oh, one last one. Yes, yes, it's next yeah. It's the 26th, 27th, and 28th at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, it's a two-and-a-half-hour affair. And after it's over, we come back and sing another song. Um, Danny comes out and sings uh, 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 Oogie Boogie's song again. And he does it in the style of Cab Calloway. Because Ken comes out and does it the, yeah. his way. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> and so we get to do the... You know, and if you aren't shaking, there's uh, something going wrong. Uh, yeah. Very wrong, because this might be the last time that you hear the boogie song. Whoa. And we get to do all that. Uh, so, uh, John Macherry last year, we're at the Barclay Center, and there's no tech, and I'm not kidding. There was no audio. Talk about the podcast festival, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's 120 people in the orchestra. There's 20 people or more in the chorus. There's five of us, uh, princi- you know, we're the singers, chorus. Then there's four or five principal singers, right, including Danny. So there couldn't be more people. That's a lot <laughs> yeah. of people. And there's no amplification for the entire dress what? rehearsal. We're there from noon till, you know, whatever. And we've been rehearsing in an orchestra hall with, you know, no, no, nothing. No mics, no earpieces, That's no stressful. monitors. So the orchestra played and we sang all day with no, the old-fashioned way, like yeah. Strauss. Right. And uh, Danny sat like this, as calm as could be. John didn't say a word. I would have been kicking things over, right? Yeah. Kicking things over. We have an 8 o'clock curtain, and the place holds 18,000 people. And we haven't heard a word of ourselves. We haven't heard Jesus. a movie, nothing. like 18,000 people? Yeah. So, <laughs> it's... Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a bit, it's, that's why I get so excited. It's a giant undertaking, and the energy is like... You can hear, even with your earpiece, because we have to wear the uh, in-ear things, uh-huh. even with the in-ear, which I'll take out so I can hear the crowd sometimes, yeah. uh, even with them in, you can hear the screaming mania and see people in the front row singing the song Sing along. Yeah. with their Beetlejuice makeup on. <laughs> so we're out rehearsal, and um, John can't get someone's attention in the back. I don't know who they were, maybe Bassoon or somebody. And he doesn't ever raise his voice. John speaks like this. And he said, he just tap, tap, tap. So everybody stops. Goes, I'm wondering what I can do to get your attention. I've tried waving at you. I've tried motioning at you with my baton. What will it take for you to pay attention to me? And everyone, all hundred of us, <laughs> oh, like we're five years old. Yeah. Worse than if he yelled, right? Yeah. If you yell, because I've uh-huh. heard Danny. Danny doesn't lose his temper, but I have heard him yell and go, no, 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 no. I want this. Don't play that there. I want the timpani here and I want mm. the bell here. You know, yeah. like just get this like clear. Like saying this is what we need. Yeah. Right, which is how most people would do it. But John went like that. And uh, the, the palpable chill. <laughs> and all of us couldn't even look at each other. And it wasn't, he wasn't even talking to us. And I thought, oh, that's how you do it when you have 100 people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder what I might do to get your attention. 
And I thought, what was the guy oh, doing? Was he not coming in on the right beat? Or yes, what? something. Because you know? John, you know, and he's got the big book and books and books of the score. And he flips them over and he's got the baton and everything. And he wears a, uh, a piece too. Mm-hmm. And fantastically, he sings the songs with me. So I'm here and mm-hmm. he's at the, so you're me uh-huh. in the show. So when, when we play, it's, are you afraid he's, he's going to poke you? He's <laughs> literally standing over me. Wow. Like, left turn. And, it, and when I, it's your turn, he points at you? Oh. And sometimes <gasps> I'll sing my part and he sings it with me, like to me. He'll sing along with me. Oh, and wow. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> and uh, I miss cues. We've all done it. Yeah. I, I remember wa- I watched a video back the other night because I've been practicing. And so I watched the video. And uh, uh, I missed, I dropped a cue entirely. <laughs> and, I, oh. <laughs> and I remember saying to him, we, we got very close to chewing an entire portion of one of the songs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> After the show, I said, that was, uh, how about that, John? And he went, that was exciting, wasn't it? <laughs> You're just, you know, yeah, just he's not flappable, cute. man. Because yeah. the song veered horribly off. And like, once one person comes in in the wrong place, then we're all coming in in the wrong yeah, place. Yeah, and you can't yeah. let it the starts. audience know that like, oh, shit's no, hitting no. the fan. And nope, there's yeah. a movie playing with yeah. everybody singing in the movie, and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> They're going to catch on to it. Oh, no, I've dropped yeah. lines. I watched one the other night where I sang the entire song wrong. Uh, to the wrong beat and I'm like how did I manage to do that (laughs) there's a conductor standing over me there's an orchestra behind me there's somebody pointing at me (laughs) yeah I'm very now I practice hard we have we have rehearsal awesome Wow. Oh my gosh! Well, sorry, we, that was so long. No, that no, was so it's fascinating. fascinating. Stuff. Like, yeah, it's really, I really want to go now. I love I hearing know, anyone talk about anything that they have a passion for. Yeah. I, I just think it's incredible. I get to do lots of things, but oh my god! Well, just I mean, there's 18,000 people that are going to come and see this. You know, yeah, still coming to see it, still enjoying it. So it takes a year to get in and out. It's a terrible getting in and out of venue. I don't know if you've ever been to LA and. I've been when, to LA, not to the Hollywood. Yeah. When there's a concert at the Bowl, and you have to go down th- that street, it's you know, just it's a over. nightmare. Yeah, you just yeah. live there for like a week. Yeah, you're yeah. never ever getting out. Well, you but know, for us, we come early and leave late. So yeah, yeah. Right? there's no traffic for me because <laughs> I come in the afternoon and I leave hours after it's over. Uh, so it's fun for me. That's so cool. Yeah, my wife takes a car there, you know, an Uber or whatever, uh-huh. so that because there's no point. You don't have to worry about parking, right? Yeah. Yeah. But they let us park uh, where the orchestra parks, so we get to park way up the top back near the stage. So we just bring our little suitcases in and everything. And then when you're in the dressing room, pictures of the Beatles, pictures of uh, 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 Stevie Wonder, like everyone. The Doors and all that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I played the Hollywood Bowl. So after the show, what's fun is the people come with my wife, we get to, I bring them on stage. Mm. And, you know, then you get to stand in the shell. Yeah, just to get to stand there and look out from that stage. The star dressing rooms are right off the stage where the Beatles were and everything. That's so neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Oh, well, that's amazing. Well, that's if you're in Hollywood. I mean, are there still tickets available for that? Do you think? I think so. Probably. I don't know. There's so well, many bloody tickets. It's like go. I know. 15,000 15, people. Yeah. yeah. They I know. added I was a third show. Second. We. I'm missing a date because they're added a third show. We're doing the 28th now. Okay. We were only going to do two nights. Uh, See how popular we are because they added a third show for this one too. In yeah, Portland. Right. Third day, yeah. <laughs> a third day, I know. See? Yeah, it's <laughs> Everyone working. can't get enough of Greg. <laughs> I know. Well, get your tickets to go see Greg at Helium tonight and tomorrow. This has been the most wonderful chat. Well, thank you. Thank you, no, thank so, you for sharing yeah. you know, interesting details of your life with us. This is amazing. How very kind of you. Thanks, you guys. Yes. All right. No, well, uh, please thank go you so much, see Greg. Greg and listen to his podcast, buy his new album, do everything that you can to support this. <laughs> yes. All right. Bye, darlings. All of it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Greg. 
All right, there he was, Mr. Greg Krupps. <laughs> I will say this, so the construction sounds in the background, we live in, or well, we live, our studio's our in, studio's Southeast, in Portland. Southeast Portland. Portland, yeah. And so right in the middle of that is when they started, I don't know, demolishing a building or it's something It's like outside. a construction war zone here. Like every yeah, side we are surrounded by construction. So apologies for that in the background of the, of the sound. And right now there's uh, leaf blowers that are outside, so for no leaves at never all. Never a dull moment. Oh, never at all. But Greg <laughs> is absolutely amazing, so huge thank you to him for hopping on the show. And again, get your tickets to go see him at heliumcomedy.com yes. for uh, the Helium Comedy Club right here in Portland tonight. And thanks to everybody. Seriously, yeah, I, I know I say it a lot, but thank you for tuning into the show. Um, wherever you found us, we however so you listen, you, yes. we really are grateful for it. And hit subscribe wherever you do that. There's uh, lots of other ways to support us. We did talk about the Portland Podcast Festival on yes. there. And you can get your tickets to that, pdxpodfestival.com slash tickets. Or just go to the website. You can see the huge lineup of shows we've got. There's 22 different podcasts. Over, over two nights, we're going to have two nights, such three a great stages. time. I mean, it's going to be great. And we really want you to, to pick up those tickets. That so would be great. I mean, yeah. Even- support some local Even Greg things. Proops was interested in it. So Absolutely. Why don't you come and see what the fuss is all and about? And the thing is, you know, that we build each year on this, so, so then we, we need get, the support this year. Yeah. And then next year, maybe we can bring in some more people, if you hear what I'm saying. So the bottom line is, though, we need your support this year to come on out and have fun. So uh, pdxpodfestival.com. Yes. All right. Thank oh. you, everybody. Thank you, thank you. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I should just go back to bed or something. I don't know how to top that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've got, yeah, a lot. I know a you lot have a lot. To... Do you have any shows going on today? I do. I will be live you at know? noon o'clock on digitaltrends.com for Between the Streams. Talking about movies and entertainment. Wonderful. So tune in. Check tune Greg out. Tune in at noon. And yeah, thank you, everybody. That was just awesome. I don't even know what yeah, to say for that. Yeah, Have a seriously. wonderful weekend. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Greg Grapes. All right. We'll be back on Monday with more Fun Employment Radio. .com. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye. Really just do bye. Bye. Bye.